Welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast that delivers cutting-edge food as medicine solutions for optimal health. Allie Miller is a nutrition expert sought up by the media and America's top medical institutes for her revolutionary functional medicine interventions. From disease treatment to prevention, every episode will empower you with ways to put yourself back in control of your health. Please note, the topics discussed are for educational purposes only. Now welcome, Integrative Dietitians Allie Miller and her co-host Becky Yu. Welcome to episode 302 of the Naturally Nourished Podcast. Today we are talking all about kids' skin and we'll be covering everything from eczema, cradle cap, rashes, and even keratosis pilaris. Yes, keratosis pilaris is also known as chicken skin or those bright raised, maybe reddened bumps often on the back of the arm. Uh, So we'll be covering all sorts of drivers and do note that we kind of had a precursor episode that was going to be combination back in episode 300 we talked all about kids digestion so we probably reference in there you know how the gut is literally a connection to the skin and the skin is thought of as the window to the gut and so a lot of our recommendations will overlap with some of the content in episode 300 so do be sure to check that one out as well and yes. it's crazy to say 300 in I know, general i know i don't know what we thought we were doing trying to cover two topics in one episode. We're way too long-winded for that. (laughs) I know. It's so funny when I visit our podcast notes from back in the day and they were like one pager. Mm -hmm. Now they can be 20. I know. With all all of the references and everything. The levels of research studies that we go into and the painstaking time and energy to put together this high-level content. But again, it's really just a blessing to be in the 300s and to have all of you loyal listeners. And also, we didn't shout out to my husband, Brady, who's our podcast producer. Um, So mad love to him. And we couldn't do it without him. And he has such patience dealing with some of the surgery that he has to do with our edits and our (laughs) faux pas. Having to listen to our... our Awesome stuff radio that voices. Make the, yes. Stuff that doesn't make the air. Yes. And and some of the topics where he's like, oh gosh, I have to listen to another one on women's vaginal health. Here we mm-hmm. go. <laughs> but I think he passively learns so much. I actually I hear so him too. kind of quoting us okay. every now and then. It's like osmosis. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 I think a good thing. So good. <laughs> All right. Before we get into today's topic, let's just have some quick updates for our listeners. All right, so we are in the thick of the summer, and we are already starting to think about the start of the next school year. So do check out our upcoming webinar. We'll probably release this um, at this time, or I guess a little bit earlier, because we talked about in episode 300. So this will be available to register for. We have a free webinar for back to school on August 17th. And I know some of your children will be back to school. Some of them will be coming back to school that following week or so. It's Noah's first day of school that Is day. it really? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I hope I you don't be, cry during I it. I might be a mess. <laughs> I mean, we'll be through the day. But. Yes. Yeah. But it will give you at least like eight hours after drop off, right? Yeah. And yes. I think I blocked my clinic that day. I'm like, I might be really emotional or need to like do something else. Like, busy work. <laughs> Most definitely. Oh goodness. It's so funny looking at even in those years, the start and the end of the school year, how our children change. Mm-hmm. It's it's just remarkable. But anyway, that webinar is going to cover anything from packing healthy school lunches, important nutrients of focus for concentration, as well as academic performance. 
regulating your child's energy levels, so both having sustained energy and also preventing hyperactivity and ensuring that your child is getting their crazies out and different techniques to do so, as well as important info on immune health. So this webinar basically piggybacks on our discount for our Food as Medicine for the Whole Family program. So we are going to be making this discount live early for you devoted podcast listeners when you use the code back to school that's b a c k t o s c h o o l you will save $100 off this program and this program is sold at $199 so this will make it just $99 it has 5 hours of original content and over 100 hours of organized curated content so we went through all 300 episodes of the podcast as well as blog archive and organize them into topics of focus that actually lay you through the life cycle. So we're going to give you information in this Food is Medicine for the Whole Family program all the way from fertility through supporting gentle aging and structural health and improving bone density and so much more. We have a lot of content focused on families and households and children. So we have an entire video on baby-led weaning, which that's going to be so crazy seeing baby Noah. And now he's like a totally different human. And I mean, honestly, he was always such a good eater of solids and baby-led weaning journey was cool. Um, But I mean goodness he was still skinny then mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not calling him fat in a negative way but he's that boy is a big old boy yeah, right now he is solid <laughs> solid yes that's a good <laughs> word um so we have baby led weaning content we have content on working with your children to be taste adventurers and ensure that their palate accepts flavors like savory and bitter so that they're eating their proteins and their vegetables we have worksheets where you can work with your children to eat the rainbow and empower them with autonomy or decision processes of what red food they would like or what green choice they would like, broccoli or green beans at the table. And we talk about even cleaning out your pantry, grocery store navigation, label lingo, and so much more. We also cover the importance of macros and how you can apply this to the entire family and the entire life cycle. Not that we're going to be plugging your kid's food into MyFitnessPal, but what's appropriate in terms of choices of carbs, protein, and fat for them. Um, And then we're looking at a whole module on immune health, which I'm sure we'll cover some of that in the webinar as well. But this is something for the moms you absolutely want in your toolkit. Um, We have handouts in that module that go through like what should be in your medicine cabinet in case of illness and then also in case of injury of like cuts, scrapes, insect bites, We won't be covering that in the webinar by any means. So great resource there of literally what we stock in our households. Yes. Yep. Um, And then also some information on ADHD and mood balance, which there will be some cross in the webinar, but a deeper dive certainly in the program. Absolutely. So go on over and check that out at AllieMillerRD.com. You can check out under the Books and Programs tab and purchase your Food as Medicine for the whole family using Back to School to save $100 off. All right, let's have a quick word from Fond Bone Broth, which I think will be a good recommendation for today's episode on skin health and kind of tying it back to the gut as well. Absolutely. So when we think about bone broth, we think about the nutrients of glutamine and glycine, which can aid in production of glutathione. Glutathione is that master antioxidant. And we know that glutathione can support cellular health and even skin brightening. So that can play a huge role with antioxidant capacity and reducing toxicity and even cystic acne. We also know maybe even more importantly with bone broth, we get collagen and gelatin, which aids that oopy goopy 
healthy delivery along the gut to help to coat and protect the gut, reducing inflammatory sensitivities or food sensitivity, and even can reduce food allergy extreme and can support the overall immune function. And then that glutamine is a fuel source for our enterocytes or our gut cells. And we know when we look at products, and we did an entire episode on collagen alone, the impact of collagen and gelatin in aiding in connective tissue. So we think of hair, skin, and nails. And of course, skin being the big focus of today's episode. Now, what takes Von Bone Broth to the next level and why we love them so much is that they really are artisans in the process of bone broth production. And their flavor profiles are beyond any product out there on the market. So they take a traditional approach to slowly simmering their broth, um, creating that nice gelatinous jiggle that is a good marker of a quality bone broth with that gelatin. They also ensure that their cooking vats are stainless steel. They use well water that has natural occurring minerals that's tested daily for excellence. They pair with sustainable partners of locally grown produce and organic farms, as well as pasture raised and cage free chicken. And they use the backs and the necks and the feet. Um, we have an awesome episode with Alyssa from there, and she talks about um, how. They use actually laying chickens, which often are discarded. And so there's a huge sustainability piece there. Um, And then they use grass-fed beef for their beef bone broth. So awesome sourcing, awesome production, and then beautiful end product. So not only are their artisan beautiful glass jars fabulous and, and nice to look at, but the flavor profiles that you get in each jar make this a delightful sip, even in the peak of yep. July. It's the only <laughs> so, bone broth I can sip through the summer. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I will say it doesn't gelatinize until you put it in the fridge until right. it's opened. And so I have been known to maybe cook with part of a jar, like to deglaze a pan and to maybe uh, braise down some greens. And then I will sip it like at room 10. Yeah. Um, And that's totally doable with a majority of their flavors. Um, I'm really digging their nopalitos, which just kicks up the heat with um, habanero pepper and cilantro and nopales or cactus in there. I'm also loving their turmeric and cracked pepper. And their beet and poblano blend is also fabulous. But go on over to fondbonebroth.com slash AllieMillerRD. Um, and then use the code AllieMillerRD at checkout. This will include savings on that order. And you also can enjoy this wellness that is well-made and really explore their variety of flavors. I highly suggest using this following maybe a summer vacation. Mm -hmm. If you overindulge, you might even consider checking out our Bone Broth Fast as a reset button. And you can just sip on four jars of Fond and take our detox packs and really get back on track to feeling wonderful and giving your gut some lovin' if you were a little bit abrasive or maybe overindulging with either alcohol or food that are off your typical diet. Um, And then generally speaking, I try to get a jar in at least four days of the week um, to really support my body and maintain optimal health. So go on over to fondbonebroth.com slash AllieMillerRD and use AllieMillerRD at checkout. Yes, I've even used Fond in like cold soups. um, And because it's not super gelatinized, it goes easily into there. You don't have to heat it. So like our avocado detox soup, I'll just replace the water in that recipe with Fond. um, And then with our 
um, raw tomato basil soup. It's kind of more of a gazpacho flavor. I've also done that one with fond bone broth and it's awesome. I've also been known to sip on a bone broth Bloody Mary. Yes. Using their yes. bone broth. So mm, I think let's link those let's delicious. link those recipes. We will. Maybe those three. I mean, the the two earlier soups would work well for kids. Maybe not using that nopalitos as the broth, a really spicy one, but you could use like the spring clean as a base to be a little bit more gentle. Um, Stella, I've I've shared in past episodes, loves the beet poblano, so it's not too spicy mm-hmm. for her. I mean, she's a little Texas girl, so uh, that says a lot. But I, I t- try to get a little bit of a kick in, especially if she's got congestion sure. or mucus yeah, and yeah. phlegm, because that can be as another expectorant to clear all that stuff stuff out. And um, also let's link, I know we alluded to this in episode 300, our bone broth popsicles video on YouTube. Um, And we talk a lot about immune support, fever myths, but we do have one recipe in there. And then our food is medicine for the whole family program has three different bone broth popsicle options. So they'll include a level up of like a naturally nourished supplement and then other food is medicine synergy using a base of bone broth. Yes. So no excuse to skip your bone broth in the summer. Correct. Plenty of ways to get it in. Bone broth, uh, snow cones, I suppose. You right? Could do. There's all kinds of things. <laughs> we'll come up with something else this summer, I'm sure. All right. Um, so last episode or, or episode 300, excuse me, um, that covered digestive health, we really recapped how the skin and digestion are related. Anything you want to call out there or shall we just get straight into conditions. Yes. So I think the big take home from episode 300 is that connection, as I mentioned, of the skin being the window of the gut. So we look at repairing gut integrity or preventing or treating leaky gut because if the gut microvilli are damaged or if there is intestinal enteropathy uh, damage along that gut lining, we will see larger food particles getting into the bloodstream and the immune system going into an inflammatory response response where it's overwhelmed. We can see autoimmune activity and attack of the body's own organs at this state, which is a huge tie we know. And also we can even see skin flares where the body's trying to kind of detoxify this excess and doesn't know how to get rid of it. So it goes out through the skin. So maintaining good gut integrity and reducing inflammation are key. And then also we did talk about that influence of the microbiome. Of course, we dug into that both in constipation and diarrhea, but really when we're looking at acne and we're looking at psoriasis and eczema, there often is an influence of pathogenic bacteria or yeast overgrowth. And so that's another piece where we'd see connection of maybe the dysbiosis is not experienced in the gut, but it is coming out through the skin. And so definitely revisit that as a key area of focus. All right. So we're going to kind of get into just some of the common skin concerns and how we hit on all of them for kids, and we'll keep weaving it back to that gut connection, I'm sure. Um, Let's start off with cradle cap, and I can speak on this one as well. I've mentioned that um, Noah dealt with this, you know, very early on in um, our episode 239 on baby led weaning, and it feels like forever (laughs) ago at this point that he was dealing with it, but at the time as a new mom, I was like, what is on my perfect baby? And you know, and did you have mastitis at all? I didn't think no, so, right? No, there were no other um, signs of, of yeast flare. You know, he was a vaginal delivery. I was, you know, pretty picky about use of probiotics, but I do have a longstanding history of dysbiosis. So there's that. And a lot of stress during yeah. that time. Yeah. Oh, so for that sure. Would for sure have an and, impact. And it, it did flare, um, you know, when my brother passed away, like right around that time. And I was still actively breastfeeding and yes. super, super stressed. So it did flare when we 
traveled, you know, for all of that and in a time of, of stress. And it was also dead of winter, change of climate going from, you know, Texas to Connecticut. Yes. There were cats involved. There was a lot happening. But I remember texting you like yes. pictures of his head and being like, oh my God. Oh, you thought it okay? was ringworm. Yeah. Because it had this mm-hmm. like circular pattern and we had to like go down the Google rabbit hole of, nope, it's normal. It's cradle cap. Um, and I think the things that were most helpful there, um, first of all, just kind of exfoliating the scalp gently, yes. I think is is a big thing. Um, just helping with that cellular turnover because babies in general, like when they're born, all kinds of weird stuff happens, you know, in those early weeks and, and days on their skin where they're getting acne or their skin will peel a little bit. And I think it's just their body's way of like figuring out how to be a human on the outside, right? Yeah. And often less intervention is better in the sense of products because, you know, I remember when Stella was at that age of about that six month window, we loved the ritual of an every evening bath. Um, and our pediatrician even, and and even like with my natural minded Mm -hmm. state, you know, I had, you know, a a very clean, just cast aisle soap that we were using. It was like Dr. Bronner's baby basically. So even cleaner than like the honest baby wash, whatnot. And, um, my pediatrician was like, you know, really only like use a soap like three times a week yeah. max. Yeah, and yeah. so if you want to do the warm water soak and that's a good ritual and you find that that helps her sleep because, you know, when you get a routine and your kid's sleeping right. through the night, you're like, don't shake don't my routine. anything. <laughs> and then the kid changes two weeks later. Yes, so. of course. Uh, but I think, right, as you're mentioning with exfoliating, really mm-hmm. like using like towel rubbing. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I know you had that um, more like silicone brush, I had the right? Frida, it's called a, the cradle cap system. Okay. Um, so it was kind of a fancy thing where it was a silicone brush that you use kind of in a circular motion you know, Mm -hmm. during the bath. And then it came with a a gentle comb that you would use to kind of remove any of the debris or the Mm -hmm. like flakiness. Um, And so, you know, I stayed on top of that and then um, really worked to support his gut. So I brought in, at the time I did um, some Claire Labs as Bolardi, um, but in retrospect, I probably just would have opened a capsule of Rebuild Spectrum and and done like a quarter capsule Mm -hmm. um, mixed into a bottle. and then um, I also started orthomolecular SBI Protect, but that was not until like three to four months timestamp. And how did you get that in him? Because I thought he never took bottles. He took bottles a little bit. Okay. Um, okay. So it was it was forced, and it was like maybe three times a week. Okay. You know, if did Dad have to we give it lucky. to him? Um, yes. Okay. So <laughs> yeah. usually, if they know the boob is there, they're like, no. Nope. Yep. Yeah. Pushing that bottle away. Yeah. I think oh, early on, nipple. he was a little bit more bottle friendly. And then by six months, he was like, get that away from me. I'm not, I'm not doing that. Mom is, mom is better. Um, so really working the microbiome and then um, topicals were the other things um, that I kind of played with. Um, I would do coconut oil topically on the skin because we know that that has antimicrobial properties um, and anti-yeast. and monolaurin yep. and lauric acid. Yep. Yes. Um, and I kind of made this scrub that I found somewhere on the internet where I did um, a little bit of lavender and like a drop of tea tree essential oil. And you want to be really careful with this because you don't want to get that in baby's eyes. And, and that can be kind of a hot oil, mm-hmm. uh, but mixed with coconut oil and then baking soda. And I kind of applied that all over his head and did a little scrubby with that. And I swear he never had cradle cap again. After How many weeks do you feel like using that? it was going on like a four to six week window? Yeah, probably four to six weeks that it was, you know, most severe. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, um, also along that vein, I think of the use of coconut oil orally. So, you know, that's sure, something yeah, yeah. that can absolutely be used and 
as we're going into, I know eczema is coming up next. Um, I think of that as a huge tool for babies and you can even bring in like frozen balls of coconut oil, very small, like I'm talking like half teaspoon, um, even before you mm-hmm. start to bring in solids yeah. to baby. I think I was, you had me like giving it to him just on my finger. Fingertip yep. and have him suck yep. it off. Yeah. He was into it. Or you can apply it to your nipples yep. truly, even if you're not dealing with mastitis, just so that they're getting some of that also internally. And I think that that's a huge piece to help to regulate that fungal impact. Yep. All right. Let's hit eczema um, because I think this is kind of a continuation of like cradle cap and eczema often will even go hand in hand. uh, But the eczema typically is going to show up in other areas of the body. Yes. So what many people don't know is that eczema actually itself is like an umbrella condition. It's a group of conditions that includes atopic dermatitis, contact dermatitis, uh, hand eczema, neurodermatitis, numular eczema and status dermatitis. And so when we're looking at eczema, this typically is going to appear in very young children. And we see in research that 65% of cases usually occur before infants hit their first birthday. And often we're going to see eczema along the hands Mm -hmm. um, as an early area because baby's sucking on the hands. I think that has a piece of it. And we know that the saliva can be acidic and that that can also interfere with the barrier of the skin. Um, We know that 90% of those affected have their first cases before they turn five years of age. And we know that eczema in children is becoming more and more common. Um, I'd love to kind of unpack my hypothesis of why that is. Yeah, let's, um, let's but do we it. do know that <laughs> eczema can resemble psoriasis, rosacea, and dermatitis, but it is different. Those are not yeah. under that same umbrella. But eczema does affect over 30 million Americans. Yeah, so pretty quite, quite common. Significant and, and a lot of times starts in childhood and, and kind of flares, you know, all the way up until adulthood. And I also think of like the cheeks as a big hot spot for kiddos where it first yes. develops. Sometimes that'll be around the onset of like teething because there's salivary, mm-hmm. you know, influence around their mouth. Yep. Um, but let's cover maybe some risk factors. And yes, I want to hear your hypothesis. I, I have some guesses, but well, yeah, go so, for it. <laughs> I mean, it's the, the sterility movement yeah. that plays a big role. And so obviously if baby was born in cesarean section versus vaginal and or treated with antibiotics, that's going to be a huge risk factor because we're interfering with that microbiome diversity and the robust flora that actually protect against, remember that probiotics are actually nature's antibiotics. So having good, robust gut flora is going to help as a barrier or a protector against pathogen or dysbiotic flora, as well as even yeast overgrowth. Um, and so I think sterility is huge. And this is not just with antibiotic use or C-section. We also think of the types of toys that the child is using, um, how frequently mom or carriers are using hand sanitizer mm-hmm. and touching child, um, even the antibacterial products that are used in the environment. Right. So like in their daycare. And I think this has all gotten, of course, worse in the world of pandemic, you know, everything since 2020 has really gone crazy in the world of disinfectant use. And that further drives this sterility. Um, So that's a huge piece of the puzzle. And then I think the secondary one is getting inflammatory foods as early first foods. And so if we're looking at incorporating things like gluten, um, even using just high grain refined carbohydrates, um, these can really pose a factor for gut distress. Yes. Um, and even going back with the, the cradle cap, you just reminded me of that conversation of, of you know, I, I had with the pediatrician like early on. They were like, 
eggs and dairy and gluten are like the big things to remove from from mom's diet. So if you are breastfeeding, you know, going back to episode 300, we talk about um, even doing an elimination diet Mm -hmm. potentially for some of the GI stuff, but I think there would be overlap there um, in terms of the eczema as well. And the big aha that I shared there that I'll reshare again is that starting mom on digest aid is a really good piece of the puzzle before you have to eliminate more than those three foods. Um, Because, you know, eggs and and gluten, I would 100% say remove, of course. And most of you listeners aren't even messing with gluten. But eggs and dairy, when mom is busy and trying to Uh get protein and fats in, we know that those can be such nourishing foods as well. I never actually eliminated them. Right. There must be something else. Something else. (laughs) Um, But, you know, so I really say we talked about that in GERD really with babies Mm -hmm. um, in episode 300. But taking a digest aid makes sure that the um, particle influence is less inflammatory that crosses that gut blood barrier. So then the blood flow that you're using in your lymphatic system to produce the breast milk would also have less antigen um, and... um, that would be less of an inflammatory immunological response that you're passing over to baby. Sure, sure. And and for older children, we could be using the digestate with them, you know, as well again before taking them into a really restrictive elimination diet, but absolutely, you know, pulling gluten if you're doing gluten with your yep. kiddos. Yep. And I've used digestate as early as, you know, 20 pounds okay. with a baby. So, you know, that could be around like the 10 month mark or something like that as they're bringing in solids, mm-hmm. give or take around 18 pounds or something like that um, would be appropriate. And you'd be using like a third of a capsule with one bite of food. Yep. Um, and that can, again, help baby to be less inflamed and reactive to what they're consuming. Sure. Okay. And then um, let's talk um, some of the other, I guess, risk factors here. So beyond sterility, which I think is a big one. And, and unfortunately, that's still like when I was touring all these schools, such a selling point, we sanitize three times a day. And I'm like, I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think that that's why we see as a risk factor, children sure. that attend daycare. Right. I think that yeah, that yeah, has yeah. to do a lot with it. Also, healthcare workers are yeah. in that category and that's from that sterility yeah. influence. Like frequent hand-washing. Like exactly. abrasive you know, soaps or like hitting that, you know, sanitizer dispenser on the way out of every patient's room. I would always skip that when I was doing hospital rounds and just go for like soap and water. Like yes, the old fashioned way. Well, and alcohol, you yep. know, alcohol, not necessarily, well, and adults consuming alcohol, but I'm talking about alcohol in your cleansing yeah, products yeah, yeah. and your moisturizers. Yep. So a lot of even children-friendly moisturizers and lotions have alcohol yeah, in them and yeah, that yeah. dries out the skin. And we know that living in a dry climate as well as dry skin will exacerbate eczema as a risk factor. We know that um, those, of course, that have a genetic predisposition as well as those that have respiratory disorders, mm-hmm. there's a huge connection of eczema and hay fever or asthma. And again, I think of that as a suppressed immune response and so that individual likely didn't have that good gut associated lymphatic tissue that good robust microbiome and that's why they're having respiratory stress and also skin stress sure Um, we will see with um, adolescents obesity as an additional uh, risk factor and I think of that in typically eating these processed inflammatory foods with obesity Um, and then I would note that vitamin D levels are huge so we've seen that during pregnancy moms that have low or suboptimal vitamin D status can impact the fat the influence of their baby having eczema in their first year of life so another good reason to advocate for adding in some of these qualitative nutritional labs Um, and you can always do a vitamin D blood spot yep. if your pediatric if your um, OBGYN won't draw that for you and um, we start with the vitamin D liquid drops in infancy and we have the you know delivery as far as 
single drops by weight on the bottle. So the yes. vitamin D yep. balance blend would be, of course, a first line of defense in any world of skin health. Because again, that's not just impacting digestion, but it's impacting immunological response. Sure. And then there are other um, nutrient deficiencies as well. We think of any nutrient that plays a role with the skin barrier. Absolutely. Um, so thinking about omega-3s, and we now have our EPA DHA liquid available, yes. which is a fantastic intervention for eczema in kiddos. Absolutely, because that's going to reduce inflammation, support immunological response, enhance respiratory health, and then also getting those essential fatty acids. And remember that the cell membrane or the cell wall is a bilipid membrane. So absolutely getting quality fat. And most babies' first foods, especially if they're not doing baby led weaning again are pure carbohydrate and so they're getting this driver of dysbiosis without that pairing of that protein and healthy fat Um, and often there is some fat deficiency so thinking of of course things like coconut oil both topical and consumption Mm -hmm. but even incorporating other healthy fats like avocado with Stella's first food that's a great one to go for as well Um, Yes, yes, yes. To all of those things. And then um, for topicals, um, I really like tallow balm. Oh, yeah. So you're getting saturated fat then. Um, Absolutely. Um, So yeah, using tallow like on the skin um, because it's so emollient, like it kind of locks moisture in better than coconut oil does. Absolutely. And we learned from our podcast with Ashley, coconut's not always the best thing to use exclusively on the skin all the time because it can clog pores, although I still like it in the case of eczema because it's got the antifungal, but um, maybe rotating like a gentle tallow balm or even Ashley's um, everything balm. And that's Ashley from Grace Holistic Skin. I use that on Noah a lot now just for like cut scrapes, little, you know, anything off on the skin, a little patchy. And what's the base of that? Um, It's jojoba. It is... um, Tamanu oil, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It has some essential oils in it, but there's something in it that must make it like thicker um, mm-hmm. and more kind of emollient. Well, we'll link the 100%. Product. I'll link it, link it in for the listeners. episode. Yep. And then for sure, when we're thinking eczema, especially as, again, you said, you know, with Noah at that six-month mark, doing a small portion of that rebuild spectrum mm-hmm. probiotic, but ensuring that if your child is dealing with dermatitis, that you're upping from the kid's biotic, which is that 50-50 blend of lactoacidophilus and CMF to, and the also bifidobacterium BI07, those two strains are also in our restore baseline. Um, so going from that 5 billion CFUs in two chews, maybe leveling them up to that restore baseline, which is 15 billion CFUs would be more appropriate in this world. Um, and you could open that capsule and mix that into, you know, a bite of food um, and still take in towards the evening time. So kind of like you would take a probiotic at bed per se. Um, And then based on child's weight, like if we're talking about a four to five-year-old and they're dealing with severe ulcerating eczema, we might even upgrade them to the targeted strength probiotic. But before I would upgrade them to the targeted strength probiotic, I would layer into that restore baseline probiotic the rebuild spectrum. So you'd be taking that one white, one green probiotic capsule, and you could absolutely open them and mix them together. You're going to be getting those seven unique multi-diverse strains in the rebuild spectrum, and it's really that Saccharomyces boulardii, which has that anti-parasitic, 
anti-pathogen and antifungal mechanism that helps to prime the gut. And then the Rebuild Spectrum even supports against leaky gut. So I think that that combination of those two in leveling up would be a big approach. Yes. And then let's hit um, what you just mentioned, leaky gut, and just um, supporting that gut barrier. Again, go back to that digestion episode because we'll hit all of it. But um, for very young children, the SBI Protect, like for babies mixed into a bottle, as I mentioned, and then for older kids, we would do the GI lining support. Absolutely. So you can bring in that GI lining support at age two. Um, you even could at earlier ages, just less than a scoop. Um, and then also once at that age, you could play with if you have maybe removed dairy for generally a four to six week window is enough time to see influence in the skin as far as elimination diet is concerned. And you might even bring in our grass fed whey because that has that priming of the immunoglobulins and gut support in there um, and that could be really great to put together a nourishing smoothie that has some quality fats in there um, and that could be a really great way to support also that gut lining okay um, and then there is some research on black cumin seed oil I see this talked about on over on um, Dr. Green Mom which I really like her resources and kind of balanced approach to vaccination and all of the things um, but black cumin seed oil or nigella sativa um, can be used orally, but also topically for rash and eczema. So not something I've personally tried, but um, I'll link some, some info on that as well. Okay, awesome. All right, let's move on to keratosis pilaris or that chicken skin that you mentioned. Yes. So this impacts about 50 to 80% of adolescents and 40% of adults but it is much more common in younger children. Um, we know that keratosis pilaris is going to be seen with these tiny bumps and it's often rough to touch like sandpaper, if mm-hmm. you will, dry patchy on the skin, but it won't get as severe as eczema where it actually is going to ulcerate or create this kind of placking, if you will. It's these tiny raised bumps. Um, this can occur anywhere hair grows. It tends to be in that follicle area. And we think of this as a big driver of nutrient deficiency and also gluten intolerance. There is also a genetic component. So I will say, like my husband Brady actually has it pretty often and he's pretty 100% tight on gluten. I mean, Mm -hmm. every now and then when the man's away from the house, he might indulge. Um, But he goes six plus week windows, absolutely 100% gluten free. And I will see difference in like the coloration in the rays. Um, But we, you know, think of gluten intolerance as the first line of defense. And then we move on to nutrient deficiency. Um, And especially in the world of nutrient deficiency, we think of vitamin A deficiency. Um, And then vitamin C and essential fats in the diet. So we're looking at adding in that EPA DHA liquid. Um, and again, that can be dosed based on your child's weight. Um, we were not through regulatory able to put that on the bottle. So definitely check out on the product page where we have a how to use or how to take. And that's where we'll break down dosage. Then I would be a big proponent of ensuring that the child is getting the multi-avail kids. And I'll say that that's the one, the vitamin A one, as I'm talking, I'm like, huh, I got to really push that to Brady because he's not always the best about taking his multi-defense. Mm-hmm. He's really good at cell antioxidants and bio C plus and adaptogen boost. The ones he can, like, the ones he can experience. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. He the can't man. experience a multivitamin uh, yes, as much. Yes. <laughs> Takes and longer. like he's made the mistake of taking it too early and then getting nauseated uh-huh, without, uh-huh. without food, you know. Um, it's interesting though, the multi-avail kids, I've never heard a complaint of nausea and no. my Stella takes it first thing in the morning um and sometimes she doesn't eat food following it for hours no complaints yeah i run around after noah to 
get him to take it. Yeah. It will be with or without food. Yep. So. Yep. So Stella's great with it. I've never heard a complaint from any clients of nausea. So I know that the multi-defense though is a denser with those more high levels of chelated minerals. Yeah. 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 Um, but in all of our multis, it's important to note that the vitamin A that we use is going to be a combination of both water and fat solubility. So we'll either have the palmitate or the, the retinol form combined with mixed carotenoids. So you're getting both that biologically available active form mixed with the precursor of that um, plant-based form. And so when we're talking about, for instance, sweet potato as a source of vitamin A versus liver, um, those are going to be the variety of that water-soluble form of the carotenoids in your sweet potato and then that activated fat-soluble form in animal product. Um, And so we do that intentionally so that you get the most bioavailability and that also allows us to dose it higher. I've had that question like in our mama, multi-avail mama of like, oh, this vitamin A dosage is higher. It's, you know, over the 10,000 recommendation. It's like, well, you know, that's because half of it's mixed carotenoids. Mm -hmm. And the only level you can see a toxicity is of the fat soluble form completely and exclusively. Um, And so we do that with intention and purpose to make sure that we are primed with those essential fat soluble vitamins. Um, Layering in bio C plus antioxidants are always key when we're looking at oxidative stress. And we know that the vitamin C can aid in collagen synthesis and that can help with optimal skin health. And then, you know, if you're on this forever, um, I would say, and you did a micronutrient test, I would yeah. probably not do that until the child's like five in this case of eczema, for instance. Um, you know, if they're five years old and they're ulcerating and you're looking at multiple pharmacological drug consideration, then you might run a micronutrient test. You might look at then doing a higher dose or a mega dose based on grams per kilogram of body weight of nutrients like zinc or maybe of a vitamin A add-on. But I would first start with the multi-defense kids the EPA DHA liquid, Bio C plus, and then the combination of the probiotics mentioned, so the Restore Baseline and that Rebuild Spectrum, even in the Keratosis Polaris. Yep. And I would also make a plug there for liver as a food before you go to like supplementing with vitamin A or, you know, zinc on its own. Um, I think, you know, incorporating organs as young as you possibly can. I mean, mm-hmm. we started Noah, you know, within his first probably eight months of, of life on, he was doing um, organ blend meatballs and, and we make those on the YouTube channel. I'll say actually. we should link yeah. that recipe yeah, on I the will. YouTube. And then there is a genetic factor to it. And I would say on its own, the keratosis pilaris, maybe not as aesthetically pleasing, but in it of itself, um, maybe a symptom of an underlying mechanism of, again, nutrient deficiency or leaky gut or inflammatory food response. And if you feel like you're hitting all of those windows, you know, there can also be a genetic component. We do know that exfoliation can mm-hmm. be really helpful. Um, and so we're looking at supporting, um, of course, like dry brushing or washing with a rough washcloth and um, or even like a loofah or a scrub. And then again, checking your moisturizer and ensuring that it's more oil or serum based as opposed to one that would have a dehydrator like alcohol. And again, literally almost every moisturizer uses alcohol and it. it's yep. shocking. Um, and then maybe checking out your other soaps and other skin products, even laundry detergent yeah. in the whole yeah, yeah. world of skin yeah. would be worth considering if we're dealing with drama in the dermatological world. Yeah, I would totally call that out for the eczema and and kind of going back through all of the conditions we're going to cover, um, switching over to like the Branch Basics laundry detergent, Mm -hmm. which is super 
super gentle and it's the same concentrate that you're using, you know, throughout um, in the your kitchen, household, in your bathroom, in your everything. Yeah, taking a look at, <laughs> at products if anybody in the household has got something going on in the skin and not just yes. what goes on you, but also what's around you. Yeah. So including mindful of not only disinfectants, yep. but fragrances yeah, yeah, would yeah. be another one. Yeah. I remember that that was a huge one for me with like the, you know, parents and, um, you know, both my parents and in-laws and people that wanted to hold my precious baby. Oh, yeah. um, I was like, okay, well, like, I know that you love that, you know, Calvin Klein, whatever <laughs> perfume mom, but I really need you to not apply that if you're going to be holding my baby for more than five minutes. Oh yeah. I remember my drama with my first nanny. <laughs> I had to be like, well, he's got some stuff going on in the skin. So we've switched all of our products over. So, you know, you smell amazing, but if you wouldn't mind. Yes. Always fun. <laughs> it's a delicate conversation. Sure is. Um, and it definitely applies to this next um, topic as well of rashes and hives. So let's cover that a little bit. Yes. So often rashes and hives are going to be a type of more of an allergic reaction or a histamine response. And they can be pretty immediate onset as a response to a food and environmental allergy. So this is including now things like grasses even, as well as insect bites or medications. Um, and then of course you can get rashes and hives from topical products as sure. well as we're mentioning. Um, so for some people we can see shifts in temperature, especially like hot to touch in that area or maybe even a systemic fever type response we can see an influence of uh, exercise and sweat driving rashes and hives and urticaria or itchy skin would be another thing that we would think of um, pressure on the skin can cause hives um, and so also we think of like latex materials like a lot of women will get hives or rashes under their sports bra line sure. or you know if they're having a reaction to again a particular type of I think of exercise clothes because they're tight and they use different materials like that lyrica lycra lycra there you go l-y-c-r-a there you go lycra and spandex and some of those can be known or the elastic banding as big drivers of reactivity yep and, and for that reason with kiddos, you know, going for organic cotton with, you know, at least young children and, mm-hmm. and really watching, again, what you're washing their clothing in. Um, so, you know, when we think of an allergic reaction, I feel like the go-to is an antihistamine, like bring in Benadryl, let's, yes. you know, hit them with steroids um, or, or, you know, topical steroids or something like yeah. that. But so let's... We- we have to first think about, yeah, we have to first think about, you know, what regulates the histamine response in the body and that comes down to the adrenals. So we would think about stress and especially now in an adult or a teen, we would especially want to maybe even look into what's going on with their HPA access. So probably not in super pediatrics are we worrying about, you know, their cortisol necessarily right off the bat and their impact of their epinephrine, norepinephrine and dopamine or, you know, especially sexual hormone and how that can impact all of this. Uh, But we can see, especially in youth that have used oral um, inhalers, which have exogenous steroid, or maybe they've been put on forms of nasal sprays that have steroid in them or nebulizers with steroid, which does happen all too often too early without really understanding the root cause. 
that the steroids that the child may have been exposed to could create adrenal insufficiency and that that could create excessive histamine response. And so when we're thinking about the world of the adrenals, we really want to dig into, again, that importance of vitamin C, which aids in cortisol metabolism and also aids in regulating our histamine response. Um, And so that Bio-C Plus would be fantastic mixed into a bite of food. Um, I love to do it with raw unfiltered honey because that also helps to prime the immune system especially in like the toddler age and up. And then we also want to think about if there would be underlying dysbiosis because we do know that if there is bacteria overgrowth in the body or infection, that this can also overwhelm that pathway. Um, We talked about this with Dr. Becky Campbell um, when we talked about histamine intolerance in general. Um, And we also think about in this world beyond vitamin C, bringing in Mm N-acetylcysteine, which can help with histamine removal from the body or some antihistamine um, influence in the body. And this would be our cellular antioxidant. So the same combination that we'd use for immune support for a child, we could use for rash support. And that'd be like a Bio-C Plus capsule and a cellular antioxidant. And interestingly enough, I also think of chlorine as a driving chemical exposure as we're in the summer talking. And especially there's heat, right? So they're getting a hot rash and then they're getting also the chlorine exposure. Sure. Um, And so we can rub our children in coconut oil so that they have less permeability or absorption of the chlorine on their skin that can kind of create this lipid coat, if you will. Um, Rather than sunscreen, you can do the coconut oil, but then you do want to kind of watch that that also can create magnification of sunlight. So watch your baby or child. Um, So depending on if they're in the pool and then you might use like a beauty counter um, or a clean option of sunscreen following when they're in the sun and out of the pool. Um, But that can help to kind of reduce the impact of the chlorine hitting the cells and tissue. But also I think of the vitamin C. And so when Stella is swimming more in the summer, even if she has no sign of illness, no sign of rash, I'll be pulsing in that Bio-C Plus daily, um, any day that she's going to be in a pool and that helps her body to detoxify the chlorine. Yes. And you guys will be swimming more in natural bodies of water out here, right? Oh yeah, totally. So not as concerned with, of course, the chemical exposure, but a little bit more in the worlds of like swimming holes now out here. The swimming holes that we go to are like 78 degrees. So that's not going to be as high. Like like Lake Travis is more of a concerning area outside of Austin where their waters get really warm. And and we constantly hear amoebas and different forms of (laughs) pathogenic bacteria that can cause serious illness. Um, And so, you know, in these water holes like Barton Springs, or some of these, you know, natural springs and they maintain colder temperature, this is of course less risk for that harvesting or, or har- yeah, harvesting of unfavorable bacteria. Yep. So we're not as worried, but I still pulse in when we're swimming in natural water sources, then the rebuild spectrum yep. would be my approach instead of that Bio-C+. Plus. Yep. Um, and then um, back on other things that we can do for rashes, I think, you know, with this whole histamine concern, also addressing any underlying, you know, food sensitivities just helps to kind of lessen that over reactivity. Um, so this, you know, would be starting with an elimination diet, um, but potentially even progressing on to the MRT if, you know, we feel that the 
rashes or hives tend to have a a food correlation. Yes. And if the child also has digestive Mm -hmm. distress, you could also think of that histamine bucket filling up with um, intolerance of probiotic. Um, And so, you know, again, we'll we'll link that episode with Dr. Dr. Becky where we do um, uh, uncover some of those drivers of histamine excess. I think that's really helpful. And then we also talk about histamine rich foods. So we'll let you check out that for a resource. Okay. And then topically, you know, instead of the steroids, um, starting with just cool compresses maybe using some lavender essential oil which can be really calming to I'd the skin. I'd go for like a hydrosol, like a lavender yeah, yeah, yeah. hydrosol. Sure. So yep. a hydrosol is going to be less potent than an essential oil and it's going to be carried in water. So you're still getting that cooling anti-inflammatory approach, but you can actually spray that direct on the skin, yeah. even the face. Yep. Yep. Versus um, like having to dilute. Yeah. Um, and the one with calendula that Ashley makes as well is really nice for any yes. skin stuff. As well as sunburn. Yep. So I think a yep. good friend to the summer. So we'll link that as well as that balm that you mentioned earlier um and then oatmeal baths you know if no known sensitivity to oats I feel like that was like a very classic at least in my childhood like for chicken pox for rashes things like that so we could look into that um but watching that that oat sensitivity for sure and that's because of that salicylic acid Mm -hmm. um and that's why I'm such a huge fan of the amber necklaces like Stella's skin was porcelain clear never cradle cap never anything no teething drama but she wore that necklace every single day and the actual Baltic amber um does go into the blood um barrier through body heat the body actually pulls some of that salicylic acid and that can help both with inflammation and the teething pain but also can help with derm and I think that that's huge and they can wear those amber necklaces uh, honestly as early as three months all the way up through I mean your comfort level essentially all the way up through toddler like age three plus yeah my friend's five-year-old had one on the other day I think it's more for like style at that point yeah hey why not (laughs) but I think you know really priming the body with that that's a really awesome anti-inflammatory it's it's you know not, I wouldn't say cheap. They're like 30 to $40, yep. but cheap for the longevity of what you yep. get out of it and not jumping ship with a bunch of different products. Yep. Um, and then using things like aloe vera as a topical for any rashes or hives can be really soothing mm-hmm. as well. Uh, cold witch hazel spray, mm-hmm. which we often will use on bug bites, especially like chiggers out here. Um, there's a really good formula. Let me pull that uh, up in a moment so this is a like chigger spray i need as, to know about as we're that in texas i know we have them in our yard again yeah they're not as so, bad as they were our first so year <laughs> we get it at our feed store in the country it's called no Felum. no Felum. okay <laughs> it's by Kabu botanicals yes and it's soothing cooling relief from insect bites so it's chiggers ants wasps mosquitoes scorpions and more it sounds um, like texas <laughs> and i've had people no i've had friends that swear that this has been the only thing that could calm their scorpion scorpion bite and um yeah i think it's a really good go-to it has um baking soda in there mm-hmm. and then like bentonite clay um but i've had friends that have tried all of the combinations yeah. of making their own with essential oils and that this is the one so we'll yeah. link it. okay we often do like a bentonite clay or baking soda paste that I'll mm-hmm. drop a couple essential oils in but I'm just going to pick some of that up and <laughs> and then I will say on <laughs> the I'm just because I'm now talking about bites yeah yeah skin we might as um, well because we're in summertime and let's, the red ant bites, bites. But, yeah so Stella bites. has quite a histamine response to ant bites and so she has an immunological 
um, pretty remarkable reaction. I think I had shared on the podcast that back uh, two summers ago now, she was at a farm school and she had seven ant bites and her foot like clubbed up so much edema and swelling. And she even had some issues with swallowing and likely had some immediate histamine response influencing some throat closure that dad didn't really pick up on the radar. And by the time she got back to me, was better. Um, and so we are having, we have never used an EpiPen, but we do want to have that on hand. Um, what we usually go to as a first line of defense when she gets an ant bite is um, we will rinse it with hydrogen peroxide because generally they abscess for her. They all come to a head and then they break open. Mm-hmm. So we'll do like hydrogen peroxide and then we will do topical iodine. Um, the iodine does help to lyse the bites and reduce that toxin, which is really mm-hmm. helpful. And then often we'll do raw unfiltered honey um, or aloe vera to kind of cool yep. and soothe. And that's kind of our like one, two, three approach there. That's been really helpful. And then I give her the BioC Plus, which has quercetin in there, as well as the Inflamazyme. Um, and I'll mix those two with a little bit of GI lining support in honey. And she'll take that at those times. So she's getting good gut support. She's getting the Inflamazyme with the proteolytic enzymes. And Inflamazyme would be a great one to think of also with like placking eczema and psoriasis because you're thinking about supporting tissue buildup or debris in the body. And then um, again, that BioC Plus for that um, additional quercetin. So you're getting quercetin in both of those formulas. Yes. Yeah. Okay. We added bites to our list. (laughs) Um, It's still skin. Yeah. And then um, kind of on that note of, you know, summer fun and and whatnot, um, the last thing I want to talk about doesn't have necessarily um, a direct gut link, but I think important to cover is sunburn. Um, So where do we stand on like sunscreen use and um, what are the things to do if you're like me, like a bad mom and forget to put sunscreen. I don't think it makes you a bad mom. No. I could count on two hands. I could count on two hands the amount of time that Stella's worn sunscreen, honestly. Yeah. Yep. Um, I mean, we have more of a, I mean, I'm like, I'm, I'm mostly Polish and Irish, so I don't I know. know. It's not like I have a Mediterranean really skin color. <laughs> but, um, you know, I'm more about the long sleeve swimsuits and yep. such. Um, but my daughter does get a really nice olive color tone. I could also count on three fingers the amount of time she's ever had a quote-unquote sunburn but never to a level of severity so I'm all about kind of monitor we know that we don't want to overuse sunscreen um, because that can interfere with vitamin d production Um, and um, you know I'm kind of a a watch and see but I mean she's been at eight hour some sun the eight hour summer camps outside um, and I'm not a sunscreen sprayer so I do have the beauty counter sunscreen um, we use it as needed if she's going to be out long periods of time. And I'm starting to I do like, the, of course, the, the finger press, which I know it can take hours to develop, but you generally have an indicator and I watch my own body. Um, but that's our go-to. The spray is nice because it, yeah. it does provide, um, it's not as gunky as like an application of a, a cream per se. Yeah. It provides good surface coverage and then just a real easy kind of rub in. So if they're like wanting to run to the pool, it's just yeah. like a whoop, whoop, yeah. whoop thing um, and a quick rub. Um, they have and, a stick too, which is nice for kids okay. to, at, on their face in particular if they like are not going to close their eyes and let you spray their face or yeah. um, even get near them with, you know, the the white sunscreen kind of thing. I'll just do the stick like under oh, Noah's eyes and quick stick. sweep on the forehead. Yeah. It's, it's like applying chapstick almost. Okay. Okay. Um, and it, it doesn't really have what like I would, the creaminess. What I would do is just spray that yeah. beauty counter spray in my hand and go because it's thin. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like a one swipe. 
forehead down um, kind of thing. But honestly, I don't think from ages four on she's worn sunscreen. Good job. (laughs) Well, our first time in the sun this summer, we were with you guys, our first like (laughs) concentrated time. Um, And I put sunscreen on Noah's face and he usually does wear a long sleeve but he's grown out of everything and I yeah. hadn't ordered like the so this full is his first chest it exposure was his first chest exposure and his poor little shoulders got a burn and boy did I hear it from dad that night I was like oh my gosh I'm always on Byron like make sure he has a hat make sure he's in the shade and mm-hmm. I just kind of missed the boat we both had sunscreen at sunburn and a couple things that I found that I now have in my medicine cabinet um Borion I think it is or Borion, I don't know the brand I'll, I'll link, uh, makes a calendula cream um, that I found to be really helpful um, just for calming and, and soothing the skin. We also mentioned that hydrosol, which is probably easier application where you don't have to rub something in if a kiddo you know, is hurting. It's the first time Noah learned to say ow, and now he just <laughs> says it randomly. Um, and then California Baby has this aloe and arnica spray, which I really liked. And he actually asks for it now if he gets a bug bite. He like points to it and wants the the spray bottles. That's a good one for cool. any like ouchie of, of any sort. But I found that really helpful. I put it on myself too, and, and my sunburn healed up pretty quick. So just for relieving pain. Awesome. And then it is important to note also this would be a great place for the EPA DHA liquid because there is photo protection that is offered through internal consumption of omega-3 fatty acids. So, you know, again, omega-3 compounds aid in that bilipid membrane of cellular wall protection, but we know that, again, they're anti-inflammatory, immune-supportive, and we know that omega-3s actually can have a cellular response to UV rays. So there was a study that looked at 20 individuals, and these were adults, men and women, and they looked at a placebo or fish oil capsules, and they took these for a four-week period of time, and compared to the placebo, there was a significant reduction in UVB-induced arrhythmia, um, which is going to be redness, essentially, in the subjects consuming the fish oil. There was another controlled trial where they looked at individuals that had fish oil supplementation, and this increased the omega-3 content of their skin and progressively increased their MED throughout the supplementation period. And the MED is actually going to be um, a measure of how resistant your skin is to sunburn. So kind of the minimal um, dosage of sun that it takes to produce a detectable redness. So I think my score is probably pretty bad because I can't. So it stands for minimal arrhythmal dose and the lowest dose of radiation that would produce detectable redness in 24 hours after the UV exposure. Yes. And I think there's something to be said about, you know, remember that our skin is, is literally made up of the fats that we eat. So, you know, dropping seed oils and trying never to expose your children to seed oils, I think is really important because that's literally making their cells, um, including their skin cells. And so people who consume higher seed oils also tend to be more photosensitive and burn more easily. Yeah, you hear that as a huge testimonial to people that do a clean keto or those in the carnivore community because they're getting all of those, again, saturated fats. Um, And we do know that they'll tend to say, oh, well, I've never needed sunscreen. I never burn. Um, There was another really compelling study that was a randomized controlled research study 
and it looked at EPA supplementation leading to an eight-fold increase in the EPA content of the skin, increasing that MED again, and reducing the UVR-induced expression of P53, which is a marker of DNA damage and a cancer risk factor. And this was compared to those using just oleic acid. So they actually were getting against, oleic acid could be in the form of a monounsaturated fat of olive oil, um, which would be a clean choice, not not compared to an inflammatory seed oil mm-hmm. per se, right? Um, but again, that EPA and its anti-inflammatory effects and the ability that it can actually influence that photo protection is a really big piece of the puzzle. So again, we just released the EPA DHA liquid about a month ago. If you haven't checked it out yet, go on over to AllieMillerRD.com and grab a bottle for your child. Not only is this a medicine cabinet used for times of sun exposure, but we know of course that EPA and DHA aid in cognitive function and brain health and reducing inflammation overall. Yes, and and I would always double down if kiddo or yourself gets a sunburn. Um, you can double down on your EPA, DHA, and, and me personally, I'll do turmeric and inflammasome like that night and for a couple of, of nights just to deal with the the pain because the keto diet doesn't quite cut it for me. I'm too Irish, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And it's so funny with Noah. I'm like, where's his Korean gene coming out? Well, yeah, he, he um, is light like me and then his skin gets like nice and tawny and, and yeah. dark. So, yeah. you know, um, just to, slow and steady. Yeah. Just to wrap things up, any um, favorite products um, that you're currently using for Stella? I know we're both pretty minimal when it comes to (laughs) products, but anything to call out that she's using bath or shower or shampoo that you like or any other favorite like skin go-tos? So we just use that again, Dr. Bronner's Castile Mm -hmm. Soap. I'm always very vigilant of ensuring that we're rinsing it off. And I will make a call to action to our All About Water podcast because, of course, the water that you're using could have a huge impact on your child's health. And so, um, you know, right now we are on well water and we have a water softener to help to remove those large ions of the hard water, if you will. But when we go to rainwater, I have heard that rainwater is supposed to be the best for skin and hair um, because they're, it's supposed to have the best pH and a good balance there. So I think that the water matters almost as much as this, the soap that you're using. So be mindful of that. If you um, have municipal water, you might want to bring in reverse osmosis. But other than that, um, because she eats such a high fat diet, we don't do anything topically, give or take, you know, like we don't rub on any mm-hmm. moisturizer. She, even in the peak of winter when it's dry, you know, with people running their heaters and such, she really doesn't get like ashy, caked mm-hmm. skin. Um, so I think keeping their lymphatic system moving by being active, keeping them nourished, eating a more quality-focused protein intake with good whole food forms, that does the trick. And uh, honestly, Stella gets a scoop of grass-fed whey at this time. Now she weighs 42.8 pounds, she'll tell you. Um, <laughs> I love that she knows that. <laughs> yes. I, I forget what we were recently comparing. Oh, we read in a book yesterday that um, I believe it was uh, elephants or rhino- rhinoceroses um, poop 44 pounds a day. And She's so she like, was like, they me. poop more than me. <laughs> it was pretty funny. That's yeah. hilarious. Anyway, sidebar. Um, yeah. But anyway, um, she eats about, she takes a full scoop of grass-fed whey, our naturally nourished grass-fed whey, about four times a week. Um, and I think that that plays a huge role in priming again with those immunoglobulins, her gut 
blood barrier so that she's really been lucky in the skin world. Yes. And that Not, takes nothing too exciting. Yeah, takes it back to our whole conversation of, you know, skin kind of starting on the inside for sure. Um, I'd throw out Ashley's everything balm as, as just my like multi-purpose that I'm using on Noah, you know, maybe once a week if he's got something going on on the skin or, or, um, I think because of his Asian genes, maybe he does get like a little more ashy. Um, so I will use that a little bit like on his little legs if because um, he likes to like stand in the kiddie pool for <laughs> a long time. Um, and then um, I like the Primally Pure line starting um, for babies as well. I just gave some of that as a baby shower gift and it's super clean, mostly like tallow based um, products if you are looking for like an easy, you know, bar soap or an easy balm. I'll link that as well. Awesome. And then just to clarify beyond the grass-fed whey that Stella gets in about four scoops a week, she takes now at that 42.8 pounds, two a day of the multi-avail kids. She takes two every day of kids biotic, but if something's going on immunologically, we add in that uh, rebuild spectrum. She takes, again, when she's in pools, a BioC Plus capsule. She takes daily a um, dropper full of the vitamin D balance blend, and she takes the EPA DHA liquid. So that's kind of her baseline, and then we might add in some of those modifiables like the Salientiox, if there's respiratory stress, or et cetera. But I'll kind of put her supplement regimen in the notes as well. And Noah's on the same thing, just a slightly Half lower dose. dose. <laughs> yeah. Give or take, yep. And he's what, 30-something pounds, right? He's 30. He's, he's locked in at yep. a solid 30 and just like growing tall at yes. this point. But yeah, he's he's up there. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, hopefully y'all learned something in today's episode and um, definitely always go on over and check out our show notes where we link all of these products and favorite things that can be tools that you can use in your household. Take advantage of that $100 off saving using back to school over at AllieMillerRD.com when you purchase food as medicine for the whole family. We know that this is going to be a great program for all, all household members again throughout the entire age cycle and that you'll learn some tips and tricks even with like negotiating with your husband in the household or if husbands are listening negotiating with your wife in the household on how you can get the whole household on board because that's really important for sustainable outcomes so we put so much love sweat and energy into this program we know that you'll enjoy it as much as we enjoyed making it go on over to AllieMillerRD.com and check out food as medicine for the whole family thank you for listening to the naturally nourished podcast Visit our blog at AllieMillerRD.com for recipes, wellness tips, and food as medicine meal plans. Connect with Allie and Becky at AllieMillerRD on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Until next time, stay nourished and be well.